0: Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exist to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message.
1: Rise and shine. It's 6 a.m. and your hand can't make it to the alarm clock before the voices in your head start telling you it's too early, too dark, too cold to get out of bed. muscles lie still in rebellion, pretending not to hear your brain commanding them to move. A legion of voices are shouting the unanimous permission for you to hit the snooze button and go back to dreamland. But you didn't ask their opinion. Your heart beats with a compassion for others, but in the back of your mind, there is always a question, a hesitation, but you won't let it stop you. The voice you've chosen to listen to is one of defiance, a voice that convicts you, pulling you towards impact you were meant to make. So sit up, put your feet on the floor, and don't look back, because we've got work to do. But what is each day but a series of conflicts between the right way and the easy way? Thousands of roads stretch out before you like a spider's web, each one promising the path of least resistance. But you know, it's not about the rational, it's about the irrational. So it's time. Rise up, step out, become a difference maker.
0: hello friends. It is so good to see your beautiful faces. My name is Katie and I have the privilege of spending this weekend with you. The first thing that I want to do before we go anywhere else is to celebrate what God did this week during Love Week. I see so many of you that were a part of it. Some of you were yawning so I knew that you were here for Love Week and working and tired. I was joking this morning that I am surviving on coffee and dry shampoo. Um, I'm I'm doing all right, though. I hope you are, too. I want to take a moment before we go any further in this Difference Maker series and give you an opportunity to celebrate with me what God has done. I am in awe of what God has done. And if you're not, you might be after this. So let's take a look. (laughs) Uh, 213 gallons of paint were used on the right things. I want you to know that during Love Week, we have never painted the wrong thing, like the wrong house. Maybe the wrong wall, but never the wrong house. Um, 213 gallons of paint seems like a lot. It seems like even more when you fit it in the back of your car, which I did. And I'm super pumped that none of it spilled there either. 213 gallons of paint. So if you served during Love Week and you painted, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, 17 tons of gravel. We had 17 tons of gravel. It's a gigantic amount of gravel that was donated for a project in Hill City at the Club for Boys cabin. If you've never heard of the Club for Boys of Rapid City, you need to look it up. But the cabin is a place where they can take kiddos and teach them how to fish and build a fire, and they go on nature walks. It's amazing. Uh, We had almost 1,500 dog treats made for regional shelters um, and and vet clinics. A lot of... um, the numbers that we could have shared didn't happen because we had some kiddos that ate them, which is totally fine. We only counted the ones that actually went out to the shelters. We chose not to count the ones that went into tummies. Totally healthy and fine, it's okay. Um, but made a lot of puppies in the region very happy and a fun activity for children. Uh, maybe not their parents, I don't know. They went home with almond butter and peanut butter all over, um, and a lot of, they didn't have to buy dinner maybe that night. Uh, we had just over 6,000 meals that were packed by volunteers for an organization called Kids Against Hunger. Those meal packs not only are used locally and regionally, but they're also sent around the globe. We actually last year sent some over with a team to Trash Mountain Project uh, in the Philippines. And so Kids Against Hunger, that was awesome. There were um, just over 18,000 items donated for our local and global partners. We put out an all call and gave you a red bag. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we sent you home with it and asked you to fill it up and bring it back, and you did. That was no joke to you, huh? This is amazing. Uh, Just over 18,000 items. We literally counted every item. So thank you, because we are mailing those out on Monday to local and global organizations that are just so blessed by your generosity. Let's keep going. We got to be a part of 11 schools this year, which was just amazing. A lot of you I can see here today were actually serving in those schools. 67 nonprofit organizations were served during Love Week, 33 local families. That's the most that we've ever had during a Love Week, where people invited us into their homes to let us partner with them and serve them and pray with them and get to know them. Some of them got, like they made us lunch, which was amazing for us. We were pretty bummed about that. Uh, 1,184 volunteers served, nearly 6,000 hours. I want to show you two pictures right now. So the first one is at Pinedale Elementary School. Four years ago, we had the privilege of partnering with them for their courtyard. It's It's basically an outside classroom where kids are learning how to grow vegetables and different kinds of fruit, mostly vegetables in South Dakota. Not a lot of fruit we're growing outside, I guess. But um, we built a pergola for them. Every year, we connect back with them and serve in the courtyard. We don't want to just do things and then say, hope it goes well, have a nice day. We want to reconnect and make sure that we're helping to take care of the things that we have put together. So this is at Pinedale. We were also in North Middle School. Uh, We did four of their teacher workrooms last year. We had the privilege of coming back and doing their staff lounge this year. We were also in South Canyon Elementary doing a staff lounge. Let's go to the next slide. We did something new this year. Every Wednesday evening, after a long Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning of serving, we're all pretty tired. It's usually hot out. And we want to be intentional about resetting ourselves to remember not only why we're doing this, but who we're doing it for. So we take Wednesday evening and spend a night in praise and prayer and worship together. Instead of having it here, we went there to the heart of the city in Main Street Square. How many of you were there? Did anybody come? Oh, yay. Look at you guys. All right. Um, we we met the city right where it is in the heart of it, and went to Main Street Square. Four hundred of us playing in the fountains. That was fun. Um, eating food from food trucks, praising Jesus together. It was really amazing. And I hope that if you didn't join us this year for it, you'll come next year. God did a lot of amazing things. He is doing amazing things, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of this church for being a part of it and stepping in and serving, for being willing to paint, and paint we did, right? We had the privilege privilege of doing so many things. And last week, to, to really get the week going, we prayed and asked the Lord to not only help us, but we together acknowledged that he was in charge of everything that happened. And so to close the week officially, I would just be so honored to pray right now and give God all the glory for what he did and what he will keep doing. So join me, let's pray. Father God, you are so good. God, we thank you for the good work that you did this past week through willing volunteers who were flexible and even when they were tired, God, they were ready. Father, I thank you for the way that you deepened our relationships with one another. So many people got to meet brothers and sisters within this church family that they may maybe never would have met otherwise. God, thank you for that way that you... Uh, Just make community come alive when we do the good work that you have called us to. God, I thank you for the individuals and the families and the nonprofits and the schools that you let us be a part of. God, it is a privilege to be able to step into somebody's life and partner with them. God, we all have needs and we all have ways that we can meet the needs of others and I thank you for merging those not just this week but always. God, help us Um, to just remember what a privilege it is to get to walk the hallways of the school and pray, to get to paint hallways, classrooms, staff lounges. God, these are privileges as your body to be able to enter into those places. We do not take that lightly or for granted. God, help us to continue to see our city the way that you do, our region the way that you do, this world, God, with your eyes Father, I thank you most importantly for the way that when we don't just know your word but do what it says, stuff starts clicking and hearts come alive. God, I thank you for the way that through this week you have deepened our understanding of you and your heart and your love. God, help this not to be something that we do once a week or once a year in June and then we're done. God, I pray that you would continue to break our heart for the things that break yours. God, we celebrate what was done. We know you've got a lot more work to do and we are ready and willing to step out and continue. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for leading us. God, we give it all to you as an offering. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this weekend, I have the privilege of not just sharing with you more about Nehemiah and being a difference maker. I also have the privilege of not having to do it alone for your benefit and mine. So right now, I want to welcome to the stage, Mr. Brett Durbin, who is a dear friend and the founder of Trash Mountain Project. Brett, will you come on up? (laughs) So friends, we have been starting every single message in this series with a passage from Matthew 5, and I want to take us there right now before we dive in. Brett's going to talk to us um, and help me share with you about being a difference maker. We're going to continue on with Nehemiah, but I want to take us back to the verses that we've been starting with just to get us set. Matthew 5, starting in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So church, we know that we can't just bring the light to our community, to our region. We're called to bring it into all nations, all over the world. And Brett here happens to lead a ministry organization, a nonprofit called Trash Mountain Project that we have partnered with that we get to send people to, that we get to pray for and connect with. Um, I really want you to get to know him before we dive in. And so, Brett, I would love for you to just share a little bit about yourself with us. We want to know, who are you?
2: I'm Brett. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Brett. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I live in Topeka, Kansas, and so I'm up here and I have uh, mentioned earlier, I have five angry kids at home right now because they love this area. They've come up a couple of times with us and uh, they wanted to come, but you know, it was, uh, I have a wife that's also expecting our sixth and she is about 36 sixth. weeks pregnant I right now. I just want to make sure yeah it's, it. uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a bit of a circus at my house, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, so we didn't think it was the greatest idea to travel with uh, five kids and 36 weeks pregnant in a car for 10 hours. And so mm-hmm. um, I came up by myself and I also said it's Father's Day so I can do what I want. So <laughs> um, we ended up going that route. But uh, for me, it's an honor to be here, especially this week. You know, it's, you know we are focused with Trash Mountain. Obviously, it's international. It's, this problem doesn't exist in the United States um, because we have the proper policies and laws in place to not allow it to happen. But... Um, you know, whether it's serving here locally in Rapid City or back in Topeka or on the other side of the world, it's it's all the same thing. It is it is all serving as the church body. The church body is a global thing. And so I love the fact that the celebration to start this, you know, talk was about what you did here locally. And so um, it's just, uh, it's, it's a perfect time to be here, really. But for for me, <clears throat> I started in local ministry. I had no I had no ambition to do international uh, ministry, but maybe, you know, take some of the students I was working with on a trip or something like that. And I was, a, I was a college pastor down in Florida and kind of thought I had, you know, it was a really great position coming out of seminary and ministry was growing, everything was going really well. And, um, but what I found is a lot of times uh, God, when he wants something done, he tends to get his way. And there was a, a moment when I was walking through our church and a, a gentleman stopped me and he said, do you know who I am? And I said, yeah. And he was, he was uh, the uh, president of a really large uh, nonprofit down in Florida that works with foster care, orphan care, and they were getting into international child care at this point. And he said, well, this may sound kind of strange. He's like, but I was standing on a mountain of trash, and I thought of you, and I was like, <laughs> right on. You know? and, and, uh, and he said, and he goes, no, oh, no, that sounded weird. He goes, but he goes, you don't know me. He's like, but I'm a, I'm a pretty conservative Southern Baptist guy. And he goes, stuff like this doesn't really happen normally to me and he, he said, we were down there and we were learning about this, this ministry that serves these kids and these families that, that live and work in a trash dump in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And when we drove up to the dump to see what the people were doing when they were scavenging and picking through the trash, um, he said, the, the second I stepped foot in the trash from the van, God told me to tell you about this. I said, okay. And, you know, he didn't know if, if I was trying to find some place to take our college students on a trip, a short-term trip, and I was. And that's honestly kind of what I thought, well, maybe this was God's way of showing us where to go because we didn't know where to go. And, and so we prayed about it. I talked to my wife. And um, in that moment, he invited me. He said, we're going back in a couple months. If you want to come and check it out, uh, we're just going to be there a couple days. And I said, well, let me talk to my wife and pray about it. And we did. And a friend of mine who uh, owned a production company, Video Production, came down with us to kind of help tell their story. Um, they had asked us to do that. And so we went down there. And I had been to some pretty bad places in the world um, prior to this, but this was just a different it was a different beast. And um, it was like, you know, the passage in Matthew 25 where where Jesus says, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you cared for me. In prison, you visited me. It was like seeing that all in one physical location. All that was right in front of my eyes. And I had been praying that passage and it just it just hit me. It hit my wife. It hit Michael, the other man that was with us. And and by the end of the trip, we went to, you know, the leader of this ministry, and his name was uh, Pastor Johnny, and, and I said, hey, we're, we're in. And his first response to me was, don't move down here. I was like, okay, you know, and, and he said, don't, don't take that the wrong way. He said, but people need to hear about this. Nobody knows this is here, and I hadn't heard of anything like this prior to the, that trip. And, and it made sense to me. He said, you know, if, if people like you don't tell our story and help, and he points at this 12-year-old boy, and he says, that guy dies Thursday. And it made a lot of sense, You know, I'm looking at myself, I'm this big white guy from Kansas that doesn't speak Spanish, and for me to move down there, that may not be the best way to use the gifts that God's given me, and maybe it would be later, but not, not in this moment. And so when he's telling me this, though, my, head, my mind flashes back to right before the trip, it was two days before we left, um, the church let me share with three, the, our three services about this trip we were going on. So it was like this little two-minute blurb, told him the situation, where we were going. And after the third service, this woman walked up and waited at the you know, front of the stage, and she had a, a service dog with her. And it was pretty apparent once she started talking that she was deaf. And when she, uh, when she started talking, my boss was standing next to me, and, and she said, I need, to, I need to share something with you. And I said, okay. And she said, well, I've I'm, been I'm deaf. I've been deaf my whole life, and I heard every word you just said. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all right, well, that's new, and, uh, and she said, but I want, I, I want to share something with you. I'm supposed to tell you something, and it was that if you continue to serve these kids and help these kids, God will bless what you do, and that came back to my mind when Johnny said that, and I thought, wow, okay, maybe, maybe there's something to this. I need to pay attention, so we came back, and we just kept telling the story, and people were responding really quickly, and I didn't know what to do. You know, it was one of those, well, how can we help, and I didn't really know, and so we kept running with it, and we made a decision. I was invited to go to Cambodia by a missionary friend of mine, and see an even bigger uh, trash dump community there. And and uh, we made the decision to go. And on that trip, it was a it was a pretty uh, it was a let's just say it was very very obvious that God wanted me to do this. Even though we got into a really bad situation, almost got killed by a gang, and um, but God delivered us from that. And then just a lot of other things happened that I still to this day can't explain without God's hand on it. And uh, it told us to go, you know, and even with me, there was this moment of kicking me out of the nest, you know, and you kind of are still fighting something. Uh, I was I was uh, let go by my church about three days before I left because of going on that trip. I'd gone through the process I should have using vacation time, my own money, all that, but uh, our executive pastor didn't see it that way and he just said, hey, we pay you to bring college students into this church not to visit kids in trash, and I knew at that moment it was time for me to go anyway. You know, I'm not I can't handle that coming from a pastor's mouth. But um, so I was, I was uh, fired is the better word uh, right before leaving. And, but God opened this door, and so we started walking.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. We just love you. Can we just thank you? So one of the reasons I love having Brett here with us this weekend is because what Brett has experienced and is experiencing is so parallel with what we've been finding out about Nehemiah. God broke his heart for something, and Brett listened. He prayed, and he started making a plan. And I want to take you to the next spot in Nehemiah where we're going to land because what we're going to talk about this weekend is how even though you have your heart broken for something, and like we learned last weekend, you can make a plan that plan may not always go like we hope it would, like we assume it will. And so I want to take you to Nehemiah 4, starting with verse 1. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. He said, in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? So Nehemiah's heart is broken. He makes a great plan. He gets all the people together. And clearly there's opposition that comes up against him. Let's keep going to see what he does. Nehemiah 4, starting with verse 16. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail The leader stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon in the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Now first what I think about is he's a brilliant multitasker, right? Have you ever held a hammer and a sword at the same time? That seems complicated, right? And a little terrifying because what if you use the wrong one? I don't know, right? Okay, never mind. That's just what goes through my head. Um, So something I want to pull in here that we can observe from Nehemiah's story is that conflict is, a thing to, is not a thing to avoid, but something to overcome. A lot of times when we are doing something, even when I make a to-do list and I'm going to Target to buy it, and something happens, and I forget, or something, I, we, just, we just run into things all the time. As simple as that, or as big and complicated as you're parenting one way, and that stops working, that's terrifying, by the way, if you're sure that that's the way you're supposed to do it, and then it doesn't work. Conflict is something that will happen no matter what because we're living and breathing on this place that is not our home. And so um, I just want us to remember that. It's not something to avoid. We can't run from it. Um, But with God, we can overcome it. And Brett, obviously your heart was broken for something, and you started making a plan. So do you want to talk to us about how perfect it's been and how there's never been any opposition or... I mean, yeah, has it yeah, pretty much just, been smooth sailing? Oh, yeah, always. Like know, a cruise, right? No? Yeah. Have you, you had know, any adversity that you want to share with us?
2: Yeah, it's kind of continual, I think. I think anytime, you know, there's, there's something that you're doing for God, there's always that chance. And it's not like it always has to be that way. I do think it mm-hmm. gives us breather, you know, mm-hmm. these breathers in the middle of these things. But um, even from the start of Trash Mountain, you know, I was, I was told very, very bluntly by some people I, I'm close with, family, friends, you know, this, this isn't a good idea. You know, and, and a lot of that was based on, you know, this was back in 2008, so the housing market had just crashed. We're in Florida, of all places, which was one of the worst. And I'm hearing all this, and they're saying, you know, we've already got enough nonprofits, which I tended to agree. There's over a million of them in the, in the states. And, you know, do we really need something new? And, you know, I kept hearing that, but I didn't think I was supposed to just go get another job somewhere and do this on the side. And that was what was being recommended to me. It was like, well, that's not what God told me to do. And He was so clear about it that I can't just ignore that. And I also just couldn't walk away from what I'd seen. You know, there's times you see something, and you literally cannot walk away from it. And I just think that that was where I was at. And and uh, but I also started feeling like I had a target on my back. You know, there was it was like every step I took, there was something hitting in front of us. And you know, I I felt for my wife because you know in that first year year and a half I almost died uh, or was killed three times and and you know from either uh, violence or or illness I got when I was overseas and it just was becoming too much. But then I think something that we can all relate to because all of you can't relate to going to a trash dump uh, community overseas. You know, as a, as a father and husband, a big part of my job. You know, I see it and I felt like this is something God has commanded me to do is to care for my family and to provide for my family, and that became a major struggle. Uh, we were, you know, week to week talking like, how are we going to do this? You know, she's coming to me. I can't afford diapers for babies, and, and you know, I just said, just hang in there, and then we actually got offered a job uh, from a church we really respect uh, to be an executive pastor there, and uh, respected the pastor I'd be working with, and and it would pay about triple what I was making at the time. And but I, I remember talking to my wife about that, and it was it was tough because you know she said this would solve all the things we've been praying about, and mm-hmm. she was right. And yet the only reason I would have made that decision was based on money, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's mm-hmm. this can't we can't do it. That's not what I've been asked to do. And so <clears throat> this all came to a head when uh, you know when you get fired, you get this thing called Cobra uh, health insurance. At least back in the day, I don't even know what it is now, but. Um, and that was running up. And so we had to come up with um, enough money uh, through donations or however to cover our insurance. And it was about $750. And I remember one morning I went to my office and this church had let me, you know, kind of post up and, and start Trash Mountain there. And, and I just sat down and just started crying and just praying about, it. like, God, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all just nothing is working. And, um, and I prayed and I was frustrated and I just wanted to go for a drive. So I went for a drive and a, a friend of mine called. Who had actually been supporting me, um, but then he called me this morning, and I wasn't expecting a call from him. But he he called and he just said, "Hey, I, I just wanted to let you know." He said, "I've, you know, I've, I've I've struggled with the whole church thing, but I know I'm supposed to give to God, and so I've been giving. But ever since I started giving to this thing, my business has just exploded." He said, and he goes, "So I'm making a lot more, so I need to give more." He's like, "I need to increase what I'm giving monthly by $750." And you know, of course, I had to like pull the car over, and I said, "What did you just say?" And and he's like, yeah, and I just want it to go towards whatever your guys' needs are. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I kind of told him what was going on, and he was silent, you know. But then about three months later, same guy, I call this guy my angel investor. Uh, we were leaving the country to go build a couple houses in Honduras, and I guess we had overdrawn by like $3,500 in our account, and it was bad money management by my part. But I just felt like, you know, our accountant calls me. I said, well, we're going to build the houses. We've already sent it down, uh, hmm. we'll figure it out when I get back. Mm-hmm. And literally, right as I hung up that call, uh, this friend of mine called, and he said, hey, um, kind of a similar situation, but it was just a really good month, so I just have a one-time gift I want to give, and it's about $3,500, and <laughs> I, I told him, I just, <laughs> and you can't make this stuff up, you know, and I, and I told him, I said, man, I'll talk to you when I get back, and I was like, but you just took care of something, and, and so I get back, and then it was a little while after this, about a year, um, we had another major need, and uh, we'd had another baby, and we just were, we were still struggling, and and uh, same day i sent an email to our board saying this was the need um, and i knew we were just gonna have to find someone to cover it Um, here comes a call from sean and he said hey i need to increase what i'm doing and it was actually a bigger number it was like 1400 a month is what we needed and he said yeah i need to do like 1400 a month you know and i think that was the exact number but it was just one of those weird like that's to me when you look at that sometimes when you give you don't know what you're giving to or what maybe the prayer was that you were answering and you didn't Mm -hmm. know it. And this was one of those examples and it's happened over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And your church was actually one of those calls too. We'll talk about it. Praise God.
0: Awesome. So I, um, yay for microphones at work. Uh, sorry about that. Um, so I want to pull us back to Nehemiah four. I want to repeat something, uh, because I think it's really important that we notice that Nehemiah is going, and I don't know if you're a planner or if you have leadership in some way, um, even over yourself, but making changes is really hard, especially on the fly when things are happening and then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore and you've got to make a decision. I I want to go to uh, Nehemiah 4, verse 16. From that day on, and what I want us to note is that a difference maker never marries the method. God broke Nehemiah's heart for his people and a wall needed to be built to restore spiritually, but physically, literally, they needed some restoration to happen. The wall needed to be built. So Nehemiah was focused on that. That was the mission. He was focused on the mission. How it happened, that was, that was up for discussion. And I think in our own lives, like I mentioned earlier, when you're parenting a certain way for one child and then another one comes running around and you can't do it the same way, if you're going ahead in your marriage and going out on dates and doing this and doing that. And then all of a sudden, you need to make a change to deepen the relationship and to make sure that you're staying committed and thriving the way that you lead your day. There will come a time, friends, where you may need to get up earlier in the day just so that you can process and move through it in a way that is healthy and good, all kinds of things. Maybe you can't drink milk anymore. When I turn 35, I stop being able to drink normal milk. I know that sounds weird. you got to make a change, okay? That happens constantly. So you focus on what is important and what matters, the mission. But the method, a difference maker doesn't marry the method. I think that's just so critical um, to process and think about. The second lesson that we learned from Nehemiah is that a difference maker has grit. How many of you watch John Wayne movies? I would just love to see. Good. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. If you don't watch a lot of John Wayne movies, you may not know what that word means. John Wayne had grit, okay? That is the character to not only commit to something, but to see it through to completion. Nehemiah had that. He was focused on completing the mission for his people and to do what God told him to do out of obedience. Um, I think what we can learn from Nehemiah is that when you start it, you got to finish it. Brett? from the trenches of ministry not only local ministry but global ministry what you've got going on can you share a little bit about what you've learned about grit
2: yeah <clears throat> when when i was asked to come this weekend uh i hadn't ever shared with you that i was i had done like a it's like a year study on on jesus uh and jesus being gritty and it was the word grit and so mm-hmm. and he's a he was a very gritty individual and um, when you read it with that lens, it's a, it's a pretty entertaining thing to do. Yeah. So maybe I'd encourage you to try that. But um, you know, for me, you mentioned being in the trenches. One of the things I've actually struggled with the most, and what I do is, um, it's a very complex thing we're dealing with. And um, I've a lot of times I want to be the guy that's getting his hands dirty, but really I'm I'm the guy behind the guy. Yeah. And so we we support right now. We're I think we're a little over I think it's over 75 um, individual leaders. Overseas, because we, we really only work through local people—a local pastor, some teachers, uh, cooks, you name it—and um, I have a hard time not being the one on the field. You know, I I'm, but I know my role is here. My biggest value is here uh, to support those those men and women that are doing that. And, and that's always been a struggle, but I know when I look at how big the problem is, this is really a global epidemic. It's not something that is getting smaller, it's getting bigger, yeah. and there's not much visibility of it. Most people don't know about it, and we're really the only organization we know of, and we've looked and looked, to look for someone to partner with that's really focused specifically on trash dump communities, and, and it's, it's really becoming a major problem even as, as we speak, and... Yeah. Uh, when I look at it, sometimes you feel like you're shooting a BB gun at a bull. You know, I mean, we're, we're working in 11 communities right now, but that's such a drop in the bucket when you're talking about thousands of communities, and that can mm-hmm. become overwhelming, mm-hmm. but also I know my role. I know that God has this, this plan ahead, but we've got to have grit moving mm-hmm. forward. I know that I'm probably going to die of old age before this problem is fixed, mm-hmm. but I believe maybe it can happen in my life, mm-hmm. but it's going to take a lot of people, and it's going to take the church— as the answer to this problem, and that's, that's my opinion on it, but um, I've been staring at it for a really long time, mm-hmm. and I think God will lead the way on it, but even the decision, we get asked a lot, like, how do you decide where to go? Uh, you you all as a church have been very involved with us in a community called Santiago Isabela. It's in the Philippines, and so you've probably heard that term in that location, and I want to tell you a little bit about how we got there and how you were a part of this mm-hmm magnificent puzzle that's been put together and how we even got to the Philippines because there's a lot of places that call us asking for help but how do we how mm-hmm. do we choose mm-hmm. God usually makes it very very clear where we're supposed to go and for us the Philippines actually started with a little girl in the Dominican Republic I'd gotten to know uh, this young lady uh, named Christy and she was uh, I she was one of the kids in the program there and we've been working in the DR for about eight years now so it was one of our earliest locations and Um, I was told that she, she was born with HIV. um, So she was HIV positive at birth and she was just the sweetest little girl. And I hardly ever get to know the kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm more working with the leaders and, and, but she like came up and hugged me the first day I came. And it was just one of those, like, I kind of melted immediately and then (laughs) felt how skinny she was when she hugged me. And so that's when I found out what was going on. And we had gone down, um, we were going down to actually plant the first church in that dump community. And so it was like this really like Celebratory trip, and my wife was able to come. And um, we went down, and and literally at the airport, um, Pastor Pablo, the leader there, he said, "Hey, I need to tell you something. It's it's going to be tough to hear." Mm-hmm. He said, "You know, Christy's having a really bad time. She's in the hospital. Um, her disease has has progressed, and she's kind of at the very end of the AIDS phase. And they didn't realize how far it had gotten, and she's going to die." And so when we got there, she had you know, sores all over her body, her CD4 count was basically nothing, and uh, we knew that it was just a matter of time. And I remember going back to the hotel after we left, and we tried to keep on a you know, brave face when we were talking to her, and I got so mad at myself because so many times I would preached, I'd sat on a stage like this and talked about the power of prayer, hmm. you know, yet that was not my response. My response was anger, and I never thought, you know, well, I just need to pray, you know, she can be healed my mind went more to, it's over, Mm -hmm. this little girl's going to die. And so I get back to the hotel and I start, you know, uh, having an even harder time. And I told my wife I just needed a minute. And so I was praying and then I realized, like, you know what? Let's just put our money where our mouth is. Mm -hmm. And I called uh, the guy that was working with me that was down there. And I said, you know, let's shoot a video and just send it out to our entire, Mm -hmm. you know, address book and say, we need you to pray for this girl. And we, we were very clear in this prayer request that, we need you to pray with us and know that God will heal this girl. Mm-hmm. And it was a—it was one of those things. It was kind of nerve-wracking to send out because of how blunt it was. Um, but we decided we were going to start it on Monday and then 24 hours a day for a week. We were going to pray for this girl. And so we had like, we had like little kids signing up for three o'clock in the morning and all this. And I'm like, I hope your parents know you're doing that, you know. But, um, but it showed there was just it, everything filled up. And so we had this going on. But then. So we get back to the States and on Wednesday I get a call and this is where the Philippines comes in. There was a Filipino doctor in the DR who worked exclusively with AIDS patients. And he had gotten two people forwarded it and somehow wound up with the email that we had sent out. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, he called and he's like, we we work with AIDS patients. We actually drove over to Santiago. We met with Christy and her doctors. And I just need to tell you, she's got very little time. Mm -hmm. Um, If you wanna say goodbye to her, you may wanna come back down. Mm And I remember getting off that phone and I was so mad because I just, it didn't work. So I had sent this like bold prayer out, you know, and it didn't work and was so upset. Ended up booking flights that night. My wife said, you just need to go, go down and see her. And, um, but then the next morning I got a call, same phone number and it was Dr. Fran again. And he said, I'm not really sure how to tell you this, but um, we're here and Christy woke up this morning and she's like bouncing off the walls. <laughs> And we're trying to calm her down. He said, but he said, but something else that's really unusual that we just noticed is that all those sores on her body are gone Mm -hmm. and there's no sign of them. And I said, well, how, what, how does this happen? You know, and he he just started laughing. (laughs) He's like, well, we're taking her to get blood work. And I said, we're flying down today. Mm -hmm. We'll be down there. And they did blood work and her CD4 count was the same as a normal child. Mm -hmm. Um, She was totally healed, you know, and. that's her, that's her right after leaving the hospital and then this is another picture of her she's 17 now she wants to be a a nurse to help kids that have terminal illness and so we're going to put her through school for sure yeah. and uh, yeah. but then what happened yeah what what happened from there was that Dr. Fran this Filipino doctor he said, hey, I want to talk to you about what you guys do. He's like, I grew up in the Philippines eating out of trash dumps. And this is Dr. Franz back. I wish I had gotten a better picture for you, but it um, shows what he does. And so he wanted to go over there with us, and we've been praying about the Philippines. So we went over there, and I'll keep it real short how this went down, but we, we go over. We end up meeting some leaders, and they take us out to multiple communities. Uh, we actually met a little boy um, who had he had, had a surgery when he was like one year old, and they had to remove a huge part of his of his leg, basically his, his muscle tissue and his thigh. And he was lame for life. And, and, of course, we're like, we're kind of on this high from the Christie thing. We're like, well, let's pray for him. We can, you know, we'll see him walk. And so we did. Nothing happened. But then when we came back, um, we had made this connection with the Wesleyan church. And my old pastor ended up coming. He was a superintendent in Kansas, and uh, he came with us, and we came back, met with the superintendent over there, and he's like, I've been researching this since you guys left, and I want to take you to 20 of these dump communities in a few days. He said, we can literally drive to that many. And so he was going to do that, but as we were there, we found out Eugene, this little boy, um, he's like an athlete now, and he wanted to get baptized. His leg literally, and and I had to talk to doctors about this because it freaked me out because I'd seen it before, We had seen the gap clear down basically to where his bone is, because they had had to remove all that tissue, and it was it was there with a scar over it, and we and he's running around and he's playing basketball, and I just but what was interesting about that is because of that it led us to a group of people who'd never heard of God, but then it also led us to Dr. Pataxel, this Wesleyan pastor, that took us to these 20 dump communities, one of which was Santiago Isabella. And we go in, and the first question when Dr. Pataxel started talking to him said, do you know who Jesus is? And they kind of looked at him strange, and they said, well, do you know who God is? I said, what's a God? And so they literally didn't know the concept of God, which I just, was, I was kind of dumbfounded by, and we're walking out, and, and I said, hey, what do you guys think? You want to do something here? And he's like, I've got pastors. He goes, we just don't have, we don't have the money to do it. I was like, go, do it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, we'll, we'll work with you in that way, and it's like, you need to talk to your board? And I said, no, they, I should be fired if I don't say no to, yes to something like this, and so we, we move forward, but we don't work in a community, and I knew this, and I just stepped out and just said, you know what? I know there's going to be a church that joins us. We never work somewhere new unless we have a church that is working there with us, and so we knew that we had kind of a a bit of a burden to get over there and a bit of a hurdle to jump, but um, strangely, when I got back, uh, same guy that went with us, Ed Rotz, my old pastor, he said, hey, I want you to come to the Wesleyan Conference with me, and uh, Dr. Pataxel is going to be there, and uh, little did I know that my my first pastor in Kansas, uh, who is your pastor's dad, um, his son was there, this David guy, who I kind of remembered from childhood, but then we talked and I told him about all this. And then um, things kind of progressed with Santiago Isabella, but then we did get to a point where if we don't have a partner, we can't move forward. And then literally that week, I got a call from Katie and uh, one of your other members saying, hey, we're, we're in, we wanna work with you. Can we get you out here so we can talk? And so there's all these pieces of the puzzle moving. And in Santiago Isabella, I want to show you a picture. This is, this is pre-Fountain Springs. And so it was one of the worst conditions of living I'd ever seen, living condition-wise. And, um, but what was interesting is one of the first things, actually, I think the first project you guys did, and the first thing they wanted mm-hmm. to do is before building a church, they wanted to build a baptismal. Mm-hmm. And so they literally have a baptismal, no church, but they start <laughs> baptizing people. And so we saw that happening. But then if you look at the next picture, they have a church now that is thriving in that community. Over half that community now is following Christ. And that is what happened by what you guys were doing. Yet no one knew that story was going on. So when I'm hearing this and getting these calls, I'm knowing it. But no one knows how God is orchestrating this just kind of this tapestry of things that's happening. And when you give and when you get involved with your church, you don't know what's going to happen with it. But God multiplies that investment so many times. Yes. And I get to see it firsthand. And that's why I wanted to share it with you because I know a lot of times you don't get these stories back. But what's happening in Santiago Isabella is incredible. And you guys have done a lot more than just Santiago Isabella. You've, you've helped our staff in so many ways and other projects that we're doing. And um, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you. You guys have been a huge blessing. And honestly, we would not be where we're at as a ministry or where we're at in the world without what you're doing, so thank you.
0: Thank you, Brett. Well, church, there's a couple reasons that I really wanted Brett to join us to close Love Week. One is because he's awesome, are no, three reasons. One is because he's amazing and he's a dear friend of ours. And I love any time that we can have him share his heart and his calling with us because not only is it inspirational, but I think it's even convicting um, and encouraging to hear the stories of what God is doing all over the globe. But also, I know that Love Week for a lot of us is a mission trip that we have a lot of fun with, we get to meet people, and then we kind of wait for next June. I think um, that what we've learned from Nehemiah isn't just an Old Testament situation. God is still calling people out, inviting them in to have their hearts broken, and then to help move and bring God to people, to show people that he's alive and active, that he loves them so much. And Brett's story so deeply examples that, and I hope that you hear that, that hearts are broken and you move, and God can do amazing things. I think for some of us, we may, we may think that, well, I'm never gonna start a ministry like Trash Mountain Project, or I'm never gonna be able to lead or do this. I can't, I can't do that. But I think, and I believe very deeply that God has called all of us to make a difference, to bring his light. And as a church, we love you and we believe that, even if you don't believe it. For some of us, it may be something big and global. For others, it's just intentionally being a better parent, making a difference in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, Maybe it starts there. Because what I know Nehemiah was about, what Brett's about, what we're about is people. That's where we make the difference, when we're showing people Jesus. And so Love Week, for a lot of us, was the first step. When we talk about grit, it's the character to commit and complete. And you cannot complete what you do not commit to. And so as a church... We're consistently inviting you to connect with ministries, to study the word of God together, to start serving locally or globally. And we do that because we know that it's important for us to be conscious of that and invested in that. Some of you already know what breaks your heart and what you want to be a part of making a difference in. And we want to cheer you on and help you. We want to help resource you and support you and encourage you. For some of you, you have no idea. You're like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't feel like I'm called for anything. I don't feel like I can do anything. And we don't believe that, and we want to help you walk it out. So what we've got for you as a please don't let Love Week be a one-and-done situation. Um, there's a card. It's either in your seat back or it was on your seat and you're sitting on it right now. It's called Impacting Beyond, and it has just an opportunity list locally and globally that you can start getting involved and connected with one another, with your community and your world, and with God. There's also some global opportunities that include um, disaster relief training that we have coming up in August. In addition to that, we have a trip in October that still has some open spots that you can be a part of. But also in 2019, we're going to be releasing that schedule soon, and that will include a trip to our Santiago Isabella in the Philippines. We want to invite you to start taking steps. We want to walk with you as a church to help you be a difference maker wherever God is calling you to, to give you tools and resources and encouragement. We love you so much. I'm so grateful that you were a part of Love Week. I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much. I would love to pray for us right now as we, as we close. Can we give Brett another thank you for coming? Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the lessons that we can learn. God, um, the stories that we hear in the Bible are amazing and inspiring, and you are not done telling stories, God. Help us to remember that. Help us to take note of things like what Brett shared, Lord, where you are um, making miracles happen. You are the healer. You are the provider. God, we forget that. Help us not to. If we don't think that there are stories, it's because we're not telling them when they happen, God. Help us to be conscious of that. Help us to remember to share what you're doing in our lives, in the lives of those around us. And God, I pray right now that you will help us to be teachable, God, to make a difference, that you would help us to have grit, Lord, that we would not just commit to things, but we would see them through. And God, for those steps that first step into committing to do something, God, for those that did that during Love Week for the very first time, God, I praise you for that. I thank you for their courage and their willingness to step into community in that way and bring the light. God, I pray that you would help us to not be a church that ends it at that week and waits until next year. God, call us each one of us individually how you have made us to be and to make a difference God I pray that you would just stir that in us and help us to move on it but we need you God so help us in the midst of that commitment Lord to anchor in your word and in time with you and in community with others God that we would just not think things or hope for things but we would be doers God you have made us to bring your light and to be a difference maker we need you We need you to help us to do that. God, thank you for Brett. Thank you for his wife, J.L., and their family, for the sacrifices that they've made. God, for the way that they have anchored in what you've called them to do and have not wavered from it. God, thank you for providing not only the call, but God, for walking with them through it, for providing when they need it, for giving wisdom and rest, for bringing safety, God, thank you for the 11 communities across the globe and those that have yet to start. God, we thank you for bridging us across thousands of miles and oceans. God, I thank you right now for Santiago, Isabella, and that community of brothers and sisters that we love so much, that we care for so deeply, and that we are celebrating that more and more people every day there are getting to know you personally, but also, God, being provided for with food and with school supplies and all of the things that they need, Lord. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. Father, again, we lay down every single thing that you did this past week at your feet, and God, help us to continue just linked arms as a church body marching out into this world with your light, ready to show people who you are in the words that we say and the things that we do. We give it all to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.